All right, go ahead and have a seat where you are. Welcome to church in the gym. Appreciate you guys working with us and being flexible. So I just want to tell you, can I just acknowledge it? Some of you are about to endure a wrestling match while this sermon unfolds. And listen, you have my respect as a parent. This is going to come quick. We're going to make it fast. We're going to sing a couple more songs and then we're going to eat. We are bringing back the church potluck. Anybody come to church hungry today? Ready to, yeah, worship the Lord through fellowship and eating good foods. So we'll do all of that in just a couple moments and we'll roll right on into the message. But I got to tell you something. This is only for you kids. Kids in the room, look at me really quick. I have a secret. If you are a kid and you're usually in Momentum Kids Ministry, raise your hand really quick. Kids in momentum, no, I'm not going to make you answer a question. I'm not going to, just tell me, I have a secret for you. This is just for you. So you might know that we have these prize bags over there. Those are for you. You can even grab one right now and come right back to your seat. But here's the secret. Here's the secret. In the prize bag, there were supposed to be bubble wands. You know the thing, you dip it and it does the bubbles like this. There were supposed to be bubble wands in them. We were supposed to be outside. Bubble wands go great outside, not so great indoors. Here's the secret. Pastor Jeremy still has them. Raise your hand if you know Pastor Jeremy. Kids, if you're a kid in the room and you know, <laughs> I, I know that guy, yeah. Okay, after our next two songs, so I'm gonna talk and then after the two songs, if you go find him, he has a bubble wand for you and you can cover this entire place in bubbles. Everybody good with that? Okay, so this today, we're going to take a break from our regularly scheduled Philippians Masterclass, and we're going to get into a passage together that looks at Easter, okay? So we're going to come with an Easter passage in anticipation for where we're going. Watch out. I've got a lightsaber up here. We're going we're gonna to get into an Easter passage in anticipation of Easter as it's coming our way. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you like following along in Scripture, we're going to just park it right there in a few verses today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can fact check me and make sure I'm not making this stuff up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. I'm in the ESV. It might look a little different than yours, but it says this. Therefore, anyone in Christ is... Can I tell you something? This handheld mic gives you a little attitude when you're speaking. You better stand back today. There's something to it. I feel it today. Okay, anyways. Therefore, I, I started reading. I just had this extra thing to me. I was like, this is nice. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, or ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. Key word we're going to just zoom in on is at the beginning when he says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Can you just say those words with me? New creation. Can you just rest in that a minute? That is our why. That is our gospel. That's what we sing for. If you have said yes to Jesus and you are in relationship with him, you are a new creation. The old is gone. There 
There is no more old you. You have been made new in Christ, which means for us this morning, right now, if you said yes to Jesus, there are not levels of Christians in this room. There are not some people who get up and sing because they're super Christians and they have their lives together and everything's going right for them. There are not B-level. You have no letter grade from God today. There is just those who are in Christ and have said yes to him who are free and forgiven and new. Can I tell you something? You don't have a scorecard from February in Jesus. His forgiveness is final. There's not, yeah, I did okay, but I did 10 bad things and nine good things. And so I'm a little in the hole. And here in March, hopefully I can catch up. No, our gospel does not work that way. This passage, this new creation idea winks at an Old Testament passage, Lamentations 3.22, that simply says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God, great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Can you just think, can you think on that for a second? If it is a day where the sun came up, which it happens to be every single day, the mercy of God is new on you. It is a grace so radical. It is a forgiveness that is so freeing. If I explained it in great detail, you would be tempted to go, no, 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 Matt, that's too good to be true. You can't tell people that forgiveness is forever because they're going to go and sin. If you just tell them that, that they're completely covered and every morning the sun comes up, they have a fresh start in Jesus' name, they're going to do whatever they want to which I would say, not a chance. That's why this is called good news. Good news is not wake up after you screwed up last night and try and do better on your own strength. Good news is not, man, I really screwed this up. I'm going to avoid God for a few months and then maybe when I have my life worked out, I can come back and approach him. Good news is the fact that there is a grace so freeing available to you. No matter what has happened, you can go running to your heavenly father and not away from him because his grace is just that good. That's why they call it good news. You go, well, how, how did that happen? Well, if you would read the next line in our passage, Paul would tell you, he says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now, this is a theologically robust passage. I'm going to do a flyby because some of you got about five more minutes with these kids before something's going to go wrong and you're going to do something ungodly in church. So just roll with me. The word reconcile there is a beautiful word in Scripture. It shares the root word with reconstruction, but the sile there, if you did all the language work in the original text, it's about relationship. 
It's about the idea that God, Jesus did not just come on a legal basis to, to do some sort of cosmic judgment and erase some judgment that's facing you one day and then heaven's coming. Jesus came to restore your relationship with God. I love Hunt Parkway. This is crazy. I, I have this, I, hey, I will debate you. Hunt Parkway is one of the greatest streets in America. It's got, they've got a garden right down the middle of that thing. You can drive 55 because there's never a cut. Don't tell anyone. You can drive as fast as you want down Hunt Parkway. You can get from uh, north to south Chula Vista in just a matter of minutes. They got the stoplights timed out. But there is one problem with Hunt Parkway. Do you know what it is? If you drive near the little garden that goes down the middle, somebody didn't see it coming that these beautiful trees they planted would have, now you're tracking, would have roots that would extend under the pavement. So if you're in the line that's by the middle divider, you're just boom, 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 the whole way down Hump Parkway. And what would they do if they wanted to fix that? They would have to reconstruct it. What would they do? They would rebuild it make it new as it was always supposed to be. When it says that Jesus came and reconciled us, he's saying he came. And when you say yes to Jesus and his atoning work on the cross, your relationship with God is rebuilt. And can I tell you something? It is not a cheap peace. It would say this phrase at the end of the passage that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Think on it like this. I don't know if you've ever had parents one of these moments where, where it was just rough with the children. I don't know if you've had one of those moments maybe in your life you were considering adoption. Not like adoption, let's add a kid to the family, but maybe somebody could adopt and we could solve this problem once and for all. Sorry kids, you'll get it one day, I promise. But if the kids were a mess and it's the end of the day and you were exhausted and you were like, hmm, you know, they're acting up, they're acting a fool and you know you should lean in, you know you should punish, you know you should discipline them, but you're too tired and you just chilled out instead. You ignored what had happened so everybody could go to bed in peace. Yeah, you would have peace, but it's a false peace because that peace happened at the expense of justice and righteousness. The kind of peace we have with God did not happen at the expense of justice or at the expense of righteousness because God sent his son to pay an actual price that we deserve for our sins. So the punishment was not overlooked. It wasn't like God was up there saying, ah, kids will be kids. No, he took my pain my sin, my shortcoming, seriously. And he offered his son for them. This passage winks at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, where it says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Underline that. It's not by work, so no one can boast. This is something that God did for you. He acted on your behalf. He reached out. He gave you a gift that is at the same time an invitation. Some of you guys have heard of Tyler Perry. Not only did Perry bring us the wonderful Medea movies, but, but he did something incredible. 
he now has the largest movie production studio in America. It's in Atlanta, Georgia, built on the same land that once housed slaves. That's what we call redemption. But Perry does something unique. He's known for these huge parties. And if you're wondering what is on the screen right now, this is what it would look like if you got an invitation to one of Tyler Perry's parties. You'll notice a video screen on the right side, and you would be absolutely correct. He sends this beautiful book with an iPad tucked into it with a personalized message from Tyler Perry saying, hey there, I love you. It's good to see you. I just wanted you to know I'm having a party, and it's coming up on this date, and I would love to see you there. Oh, by the way, this iPad is a gift from me to you. What I love about that is the invitation is a gift, and the gift is an invitation. That's Jesus. It is a gift God gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. But that's also an invitation. It's an invitation to intimacy with your heavenly Father. Intimacy into me you see. It's an invitation to walk with God and call him dad. It's an invitation to not go through this life alone. It is an invitation to get to know your heavenly father who knitted you together in your mother's womb with purpose. Yes, purpose for you. And the gift of Christ is a gift that makes that possible, but it's also an invitation to you to walk with God. Guys, I'm just telling you, that's why we're here. That's our gospel. And that's our good news. When we look forward to Easter and the beautiful resurrection of Jesus, it is the stamp that validates in history every claim ever made by Jesus in Scripture. But here's what you can't miss today. We were not saved to sit We were not saved. This was not so we can sit and gather and have look at us parties Sunday after Sunday. This was not so we could go, whoo, thank goodness I get out of hell. I wasn't looking forward to that. I wasn't looking to eternity separated from God. Man, I must really be something. Thank you, Lord. I can't wait for that day. Let's go. We were not saved to simply sit and wait. We were saved into a purpose. And that's why in our passage, as it continues in verse 19, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And here you go. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are, what do we do now? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Those are heavy words, don't miss them. God now wants to make his appeal to the world through you. Yes, you. God wants to call a world back to himself and he wants you to do it. Let's talk about this word, ambassadors. 
Paul borrows this word from the Roman culture as the Roman Empire would expand. They would go place by place and they would conquer a new land. And now all of a sudden, overnight, this land belongs to Rome. They're governed by Rome. They pay taxes to Rome. They're going to embrace Roman culture if they want to continue and survive. And so Rome would send ambassadors into this land to spread the ways of Rome in this new place. The ambassadors would show people how to talk like Rome, how to live like Rome, the goodness of Rome, the purposes of Rome, the plans and agendas of Rome. They would be ambassadors. And Paul says to you and to me, we are now Christ's ambassadors. Let's take a little, let's take a little study break. Think of your favorite Starbucks drink right now. Kids, you could do this too. I know your parents are buying you Starbucks these days. We do the cake pops. What's your favorite thing? Just say it to somebody next to you. What's your favorite, favorite drink at Starbucks? Somebody just say it loud. I got a handheld mic. We can get Pentecostal this morning. Hot chocolate. What? Grow up, okay? No, I'm just what else? I won't make, I won't, uh, what else, what else, what else? Somebody just say something. That sounds expensive. <laughs> that sounds amazing though. Okay, here, here's what it is. My wife used to work at Starbucks. And I don't know if they did this on purpose or if it's just a byproduct of serving tons and tons of coffees on a daily basis. But when we were first married, she would go to Starbucks and she would work these shifts and she'd put on the green apron and the whole thing and she'd be there for the day. I picked up an expensive coffee habit through the process. But she would leave Starbucks after a shift. And everywhere she went, you could smell the sweet aroma of Starbucks coffee. She was an ambassador. And here's the deal. She, we were meant to be ambassadors for Christ everywhere we go. People were supposed to get near us and see the goodness of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the love of Jesus, how Jesus would treat people, how Jesus would work, how he would serve, and how he would love if he was in your exact place. We're ambassadors. And this calling for us is both personal and corporate. Guys, we did it. Band, you guys can come on up. We'll do a couple songs and eat in a second. But we are to be ambassadors individually but we are also to do so corporately. We are to share the good news of Christ in our day-to-day -day lives, but as a church community, we share the good news by being a living picture of the kingdom of God. Some of you guys know that line for the, from the Lord's Prayer, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus was not just concerned about getting you there. He was concerned about getting there here. And the church, the assembly of the people of God is supposed to be a living picture of what it looks like when the kingdom of heaven invades earth. We are to be a living picture of the table of Jesus. We talked last week about you could go and you could see Jesus transforming the world one meal at a time. And he would sit at tables and he would 
eat with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and royal officials and soldiers and everyone in between. And they would be gathered around Jesus, sitting as equals at a table marked by love. That's supposed to be us. We are supposed to be a picture of the destination at which culture should arrive. Don't miss that. That means meals matter. That means what we're doing over there in just a few moments is not to busy you on a Sunday. It is ministry. It is living into the call of Christ to be ambassadors here on earth. It is bringing heaven one step closer to this place. And it's our calling together. So we're going to sing just a couple more songs, and then we're going to feast. If you're new, if you're visiting, if you're here and you're like, wait, what is going on? Trust me, it all makes sense. There's fried chicken over there, more than you know what to do with. And so I invite you, yes, to sing and to worship, but to worship by living into God's vision for us as his church. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. God and Father, we give thanks together. We say thank you for bringing us together as a family. Thank you for the culture and the diversity that's represented in this room. Thank you that we don't have to wait for heaven, but we get to be a people who get to bring heaven here. We celebrate you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.